You're listening to Fair Play. Welcome to Fair Play. I'm your host, Imran Siddiqui. And today we're speaking with Christopher Tucker from Richland Correctional in Mansfield, Ohio. And he's there serving life in prison for a murder that he says he did not commit. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Just to give a background uh, to our audience, let me just read the details of your case. Tucker was convicted of murder in 2003, and this is how the case file goes. In the early morning hours of May 22, 2003, East Cleveland police responded to a radio dispatch about a possible gunshot victim at Watley's Lounge on Euclid Avenue, Cleveland, Ohio. At the scene, police found Timothy Austin's lifeless body on the sidewalk outside the bar. Austin had been shot several times. Tucker was subsequently arrested and indicted for Austin's murder. And since then, Tucker has been trying to fight. And if I just go straight out and ask you, that, did you kill Timothy Austin? No, sir. I honestly didn't kill that man. How much support do you think that the criminal justice system has given you in terms of fighting for what you believe to be is the truth? None. I mean, I've been here almost two decades now. So how does that make you feel, Tucker? I mean, I'm here. I mean, all I can do is just continue to fight for my freedom. You know, I'm, I'm not even an attorney, man. And, you know, I was going through your case file. I had a couple of points that I wanted to put in front of you and tell me if I'm if I'm wrong or if I'm right from your vantage point. Okay. Uh, I personally feel this case involves witnesses who are intoxicated. Right. Mistaken identity. Correct. False testimony. Right. Police coercion. Yes, sir. So why in the name of God they wouldn't allow you to fight your case? The courts are just refusing to hear the evidence. You know, I, I've been fighting the case by myself so many years, and when I do get certain public defenders, they basically haven't argued the evidence properly, and the courts basically haven't gave me no, haven't given me any rhythm. So, what what about public defenders that you got before? How much did they help out? None. I mean, they. I have I done had motions filed that was filed incorrectly. I done had affidavits that was filed that was filed incorrectly. You know, it, it just seemed like that any evidence that I did obtain that proved my innocence, you know, the public defender's office flawed it. Did you try to get another attorney after that? Yeah, but you know, due financial you know, financial ruin I don't so I didn't have no money, so I was basically stuck with writing to the public defender's office asking them for assistance and basically them telling me that, you know, it was nothing they could do at the time. Hmm. The case was picked up by uh, Judge O'Donnell. That was my original trial judge. Okay. Don O'Donnell. Yeah, Judge John O'Donnell, he said the issues raised by the defendant in his uh, post-conviction motions are deserving of a full evidentiary hearing. Correct. But when Judge Eileen Gallagher came in, she tossed the whole thing out. Exactly. Uh, um, O'Donnell lost his seat, his seat on the bench, and basically um, Eileen Gallagher took over and 
the prosecutor's office went back and filed something, never sending me a copy of what they filed, and Eileen Gallagher ruled in their favor and dismissed the um, evidence we're hearing. In the opinion that I'm reading, it says that Judge Eileen Gallagher shouldn't have thrown it out. Uh, I don't know if you have a copy of this opinion, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try it through. I'm gonna send it across to you. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Yeah, sorry about that, man. The voice they keep putting this voice in. Yeah, it comes on. It comes on a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's I don't even know what to say, man. But yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> you're laughing, man. I mean, dude, how come you're laughing? Yeah, I can say, you know, if I could run around here with no anger and just being upset you know it just make my time harder you know so i just gotta i gotta keep my level head and, and just keep fighting so tell me about your your day man what is your average day like uh as of right now due to this covid um pandemic we're basically locked down all day you know i'm i'm in, I'm in this unit pretty much 24 hours a day the only time I get to go out is if I get go to rec for an hour or go to child. Other than that, I'm just I'm in, I'm in the unit. So it's not like solitary or anything like that, right? No, sir. No, sir. So that's good, man, that you get a chance to see other people around you. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, people, they, they, uh, I'm, as of right now, I'm in the honor dorm, you know. I've been gone almost 19 and... My level, you know, I started at the top and made my way down due, due to good behavior. And, you know, I just try to stay out of the way, you know, minding my business and, like I said, just fighting. Fighting fighting for my freedom. And when do they say that you can come out? I don't go see the parole board until 2026. 2026? I will have 23 years in. Yeah, 23 years in for a crime you did not commit. Yes, sir. Ohio, it's very rarely that a person gets a parole on their first time up. Even if the parole board is presented with all the evidence that we talked about? In Ohio, if you're convicted of a crime, all they want to know is, are you remorseful? And how can a person be remorseful for something they honestly didn't do? From the day they put you in prison, you have been appealing and fighting. Yes, sir. I was trying to put myself there, man, and I was asking my own self that if I've been wrongly accused of something, the only thing I will do, man, is to keep fighting, and that should be a pretty big evidence to show that I'm innocent. Yeah, you would think that. (laughs) So, uh, on the night of that event, you and DR were inside when you heard the gunshots from outside. Correct. You didn't go out to see what was going on? No, I didn't go see what was going on. I gathered my stuff and I proceeded to leave. Did Timothy Austin ever steal your car or something like that? He carjacked me in 95. So they was trying to say that I held a grudge all the way till 2013, I mean 2003. And and when did uh, Timothy go to jail? In 95. So after he he carjacked you, he ended up in jail for something else. He ended up in jail for shooting a guy eight times and left him for dead, but he ended up living. So they charged him with a, uh, 
forgot what they charged him with, but yeah, he ended up doing eight years for that. I could be wrong, but I think that guy came out and probably shot him. I would believe he would have more <laughs> objective of trying to kill this man. But, you know, like I say, the state provided two witnesses to say I killed this man, and the jury believed it. What happened to the jury when they figured out that both these eyewitnesses have recanted? It's all on the course here. I don't think it got to a point where the jury would get a chance to hear this, right? No, no, they wouldn't. Because you never got the hearing. Right, exactly. You have one minute remaining. Chris, does this sound like a bad movie? I hope I wake up from it every day. I wake up. The more I read this, I say that here we have another example of one of the most despicable ongoing examples of injustices in America. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Yeah, that we do. <laughs> Hey man, that's good that you you you're still laughing, man. That's really cool. Oh yeah, I got you know, I got to make the best of the situation, man. Me being depressed and running around here angry, it just won't make my time harder. That's all. Your tone is so positive, and I'm so excited and happy to hear that, man. Oh yeah, man. I got a good support system, man. My girl, she, you know what I'm saying? She she really blessed me to you know say keep my head up through this whole ordeal. Yeah, man. She's been fighting for a long time for you, man. Yeah, yeah. But you know, God has his ways of connecting people. Right. You're listening to Fair Play, the official podcast of justicenews.net. This is Fair Play on justicenews.net. Welcome back to Fair Play. I'm your host, Imran Siddiqui. And today we're speaking with Christopher Tucker from Richland Correctional in Mansfield, Ohio. And he's there serving life in prison for a murder that he says he did not commit. Do you have any idea who killed this guy? Honestly, I don't. All right. Tim was a was a, was an individual that was really not liked by a lot of people. So you know, it's I mean, his record showed that. So his record show one. Tim was a known known like robber. You know what I'm saying? So Tim had been through a lot. And throughout this neighborhood we're from, you know what I'm saying, he's known for that. So any any number of people could have killed him. Got it. So DR uh, was with you inside uh, the club when both of you heard the gunshot. Well, she wasn't with me. She was a witness that came forth years later. Yeah, but she was inside the club at that time. Right, exactly. And then in 2007, she came across the flyer and she said, hey, I know this I know this day because I was there and I know this guy because I heard the gunshots and he heard the gunshots too and we were all inside when the guns were fired. Exactly. Why haven't they allowed you to get uh, a trial? Well, I had a, uh, what is called an evidentiary hearing where uh, the presiding judge hears basically her testimony. The identification of supposedly the coat I had on, she misidentified identified it and they said basically that that her misidentifying a coat was sufficient enough to make her not credible. Oh, so DR misidentified your, your coat and that 
was enough to throw the case out. Is that what you're saying? That's what, that's what, that was that was a ruling. The case file that I was reading, everything stopped at about 2007 or 2009. Is that correct? Yeah, like I said, what, right. And when DR came forth and did her testimony, you know, the judge has to rule on it and give her ruling on it. And she said that the lady was incredible due to her misidentifying what I said I had on and what she said I had on that night. But she places me inside the bar Places me going to my car after the shooting because she was parked in front of me. And then when I appealed it, the, the, the appeal court told me the same thing that, you know, her misidentification of a coat made her incredible. But isn't that bullshit? It, it, all the way around. I mean, it's, it's bullshit all the way around when the main witness, Joseph Fussell, admitted that he lied, wrote two affidavits stating that he was high on PCP. So y'all holding my convictions off of a off of a witness that lied at trial, but then recanted. But y'all saying that it's not enough to free me. You know, everyone was drunk at the party, right? People were drinking. People, it was at a bar, right? Yeah. So Nikia was also drunk. Yeah, she had. She said she had two double doubles of vodka. Right from the get go, her testimony goes out of the window, man, because she was intoxicated. Right. Yeah. On top of that, it was recanted. So, I mean, that should be out of the window. And Fussell was under PCP. He was intoxicated, too. Exactly. And then the whole idea that he was under the pressure of the cops. You know, I mean, this is stuff that I, I brought up to multiple lawyers and to the court system multiple times. But, you know, once you're in here, is they don't want to hear nothing. Yeah, because they don't want to be proven wrong. Basically. On the basis of these clear points, are they saying that you cannot get a hearing? They said that basically if, if I don't have new evidence that hasn't been already presented to the courts, that the courts hasn't ruled upon, then basically I have no way to get back in the court. What about the fact that the entire conviction was based on the testimony of two thugs? One of them was having PCP and one of them I mean, she had all the intent to lie because, you know, probably she thought the guy who killed Timothy is going to come kill her. Yeah, I mean, clearly, I mean, she admits that basically the police, upon getting to the police station, they hand her a news article that depicted me as the shooter that I was in jail for the murder of her boyfriend. So clearly y'all coerced this woman to identify me as a shooter. This woman never told you who I was prior to this. The next day, there was a news article about you being in jail for Timothy Austin's murder. Right. It, it was a Cleveland. It was called the Cleveland Challenger. It was. A, I was in a news article that depicted me as being in jail for killing Timothy Austin. But in this new article, it gives four scenarios of other witnesses of what basically happened, and none of them went along with what basically Nakia and Joseph Foster said. Was this article trying to pin it on you? The article was basically about me saying that I was in jail for killing him. But the, the, whoever the journalist was that interviewed people at the, at the scene told them that they seen other events that didn't match what the kid and Joe said. We need that article and we need the name of the journalist. Okay. Yeah. So the police showed her uh, that article. That was ridiculous, right? I mean, right. 
isn't that weird? Because, you know, why would they want to show an article? It's coercion. Yeah. It's coercion. It's a, it's a coercion. You you, call, you coach this witness to say something that y'all need her to say. Somebody, uh, even with an ounce of brain, should be able to figure out that, you know, they don't want this case out because I'll tell you. This the, call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Can you hear me? No, well, I didn't hear you. What did you say? You know, we need to subpoena the judge as a as a witness. She need to we she, we need to bring her in court and ask her that why did she vacate the first judge's order? I mean, that was like that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, right. a presiding judge is saying that hey, we need to open this case and find out because he can clearly see there's something wrong. Right. And then the next judge comes in, and she throws that order away. Right. And you know me not knowing me not knowing the law, I, I didn't I didn't know I was supposed to appeal it. And by the time I did appeal it, you know they time barred me. Said I waited too late. Which is another ridiculous statement. I mean, even if it takes a hundred years, man. You know, if, when the facts come in front of us, we need to address the facts, even if it takes a decade. Right. But, but to tell a right. prisoner, but to tell somebody, to tell a wrongfully convicted individual that, hey, we can't do anything about it because you're too late. What the hell does that mean, man? Yeah. This is a Pandora's box of a case that right. probably they don't want to open because it would just blow up in their face. Yeah, I mean, the district that it happened in East Cleveland, is, it, I mean, they're known for, you know, falsifying evidence. They, they, they just recently had guys that had their cases overturned due to East Cleveland withholding evidence and falsifying evidence. So it's, it's a known thing with this district. Since 2007, nothing has moved forward. No, no sir. Like I say, I just filing appeals and appeals getting denied. They don't understand that there is uh, someone called God, the Almighty the judge of judges. He's watching this. Right. So he will come up uh, with a way uh, if he wants to take you out. Yeah, he's going to find a way. Chris, what do you want us to do? I mean, like, what I've been trying to do, just get my case out there and, and show that the evidence shows that I'm innocent of this crime. I didn't... This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. I honestly did not kill this man. Basically, I just, I'm just trying to get the evidence out there to show I didn't kill this man. I honestly didn't kill this man. And it's a struggle trying to get these courts to see that, you know, they're wrong. And I just, I'm saying, I just need someone to help me show and prove to these people that I'm, I'm innocent. This is Fair Play on JusticeNews.net. This is Fair Play on JusticeNews.net. Welcome back to Fair Play. I'm your host, Imran Siddiqui. And today we're speaking with Christopher Tucker from Richland Correctional in Mansfield, Ohio. And he's there serving life in prison for a murder that he says he did not commit. I don't know how those people who are involved in making these decisions could sleep peacefully at night. A lot of people, you know, over the years, that's some read my transcripts, read the case files, and, you know, I get the same, I get the same outcome. You was railroaded. I mean, that's basically what it boiled down to. You was railroaded. 
So, I mean, you know, all I can do is fight and just prove my innocence. Yeah. It's, it's sad that um, circumstantial evidence, because that's basically what my conviction is built off, circumstantial, he say, she say. And then you have a witness that recant. Yeah, it's based on hearsay. Exactly. There's no physical evidence that links me to this crime. And there's no way around it, man. Eventually, they would have to reckon with it. It's just a matter of how long is it going to take. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's true. You know, but like I say, I'm, I'm going on two decades, and how many more decades I have, you know, do I have to sit before these people write this wrong, you know? And it's sad because I took a polygraph test and passed. But had I failed this, oh, they would have used it against me. But being that I passed it, it's inadmissible. Of course, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, that's a big deal. But uh, unfortunately, they don't want to use it because it's not in their favor. Exactly, exactly. I have a feeling right now in the federal court, and I'm basically waiting them to rule on that. You know, it's a long shot, but, you know, I, I, I got to do... I got to go to protocol, you know. I have to file these appeals for somebody to hear them. Mm. Hopefully the right judge will hear them one day. Is there also possibility of clemency? Uh, there's a possibility, you know, but all of that, uh, from my understanding, I have to be done with all my appeals. I, know, I don't know how true it is, but I have to be done with all my appeals before I can um, file that. If these points are taken to the governor's office or to the president of the United States, then you think things can uh, take a drastic turn, right? Yeah, I mean, it'll be a, it, it, surely be a great shot. Surely be a great shot for the <laughs> I would love the president to hear and, and see the evidence that I'm presenting to him. And, you know, him, for him to write this wrong. Yeah, I mean, if the courts are not ready to hear factual certified new evidence then we take it to people above the courts right we take it to whoever uh whoever and anyone that we can because it's ridiculous that when new evidence has come forward you should be allowed to present it in a court of law right. and then later we can we can see what they decide but the basic right to give you the chance to let your voice be heard. I mean, we they, they need to allow that. They can't take it away from you, man. Right. They can push it. They can delay it. I mean, you've been just sitting there for 18 years waiting for another chance to be heard. Yeah, basically, yeah. So what about family? How's your family doing? I still have my mother. You know, I lost my father. I lost my grandmother. You know, it was part of my support team. So, you know, as of right now, I still I have my girl, Melissa, and my mother. And, you know, my mother is has deteriorating health, but, you know, she prays and, and holds on, hoping that, you know, I, I'm there before she leaves. This is Fair Play on JusticeNews.net. This is Fair Play on JusticeNews.net. Welcome back to Fair Play. I'm your host, Imran Siddiqui. And today we're speaking with Christopher Tucker from Richland Correctional in Mansfield, Ohio. 
and he's there serving life in prison for a murder that he says he did not commit. The only thing I wanted to know from you was from your mouth uh, that you did it or not. No, I honestly did not kill this man. I mean, if you had killed him, man, you wouldn't be appealing like the way you've been appealing. Uh, I'd have killed him, man. I mean, my plea deal was 10 years. I would have been home eight years ago. They offered me 10 years to plead out. Oh, shit. I didn't know about this one. Tell me about the plea deal, man. What was that about? Well, you know, they give you plea deals to, you know what I'm to plead out before you go to trial. Yeah. So my plea deal started at 20 to life. And as the months went on, it went from 20 to life to 15 to life to 15 flat to two days before my trial, they offered me 10 years flat. Wow. The praise to God. You know, I mean, how do I take a time when I'm innocent of this crime? Chris, are you telling me that you've already spent more time than the plea deal? Basically, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to accept the plea because you're innocent. Exactly. I mean, isn't this enough? I mean, I, 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 I thought, I thought Joseph's justice would have been held because I was actually innocent. Isn't this mind-blowing evidence that this guy was offered a plea deal for 10 years, he didn't take it, he kept his innocence, and he spent more time in jail than the plea deal was would have given him. I mean, I, you know, I know people look at my record and say, well, he's been to jail several times, you know. Yeah, I'm not a saint, you know. I did wrong, you know, I sold drugs. But murder, I've never took another person's life. And I just, I, you know, I just want people to know and understand that, that I, I, I never killed anyone and I'm innocent of this crime. How many people uh, do you think in the past 18 years have actually come forward to give you unbiased support? <laughs> uh, this call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. I probably can count on one hand how many people have, you know, been there to, you know, help me through this ordeal. You know, people don't, once once you get in these situations, people really don't, your name isn't a value anymore. You know what I'm saying? Your, your person isn't a value anymore. So doesn't it make you angry to know that they've put you in prison for something you did not do? Yeah, you can be angry, but that's not going to get you nowhere. You you know you're going to wake up every day with that with that with that bitterness, and you're still going to be here. So all you can do is just do your best to make the best out of the situation. So what about meals, man? Are they taking care of you in that regard at least? What is that? I mean, your food and your and your health. Are they taking care of that at least for you? No, I mean, you you don't get no real um, health services in, in, in prison. You know, they tell you, you, you I didn't seen guys break their leg, and they tell you, here go two ibuprofen. Like, I'm a I'm an asthmatic. I have asthma. I've had asthma since birth. You know, I done had asthma attacks and had to call my mother to call to the institutions because they refused to treat me. 
What do you mean? They don't have any doctors inside? No, it's just they, you know, they give you an inhaler and expect this inhaler to be your lifeline, <laughs> you know, and it's, it, inhaler only goes so far. But sometimes asthma attacks could be severe. Yeah, I've been I've been in the hospital before having an asthma attack in here, and like I say, and, and the only reason I made it to the hospital was because I had my mother call and threaten them to take me there. So when was the last time you spoke to your mother? I speak to my mother every day, every day I can. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Yes, sir. Why would they go out of the way to screw you over, man? Which I don't understand. Like hide the footage, you know, push away the witnesses. Why would they do that? Well, like I mean, like the police detective said, you know, he knew that me and Timothy had a, a situation back in the day, and you know, me dealing with the East Cleveland Police for so many years, it was already been multiple threats of them trying to pin. You know what I'm saying dope, uh, dope cases on me. They felt like you know this was a way for them to to basically get rid of me. Well, were you involved with them before? East Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have several. You know what I'm saying? Arrests out of East Cleveland. Yeah, but those were for drugs. Right. What? We were you? You were the uh, biggest dope dealer of the town. That's why. You know, they tried to set me up several times, and you know, I. They looted the situation, so that didn't tell it I was supplying half East Cleveland. They thought you were supplying half East Cleveland with what? With dope. What kind of dope we're talking about here? Cocaine. So were you were you supplying half of Cleveland with cocaine? No, sir. And if they have an issue with your with with you selling cocaine or whatever, there should be a separate case for that, right? Right. I mean, why the hell would they pin you down for murder? You know, like I say, Joseph Fussell was was a, was a known um, TCP head, you know. And he told, and at trial he said, you know, they told me if I said Chris did it, they was going to drop a case, a pending case he had. Yeah, I read that. So what did your attorney do when he heard that? Nothing. My attorney did nothing. And the judge didn't do anything? Really, at trial, the man admitted that he wasn't on any drugs that night. But then here it is, years later, you admit that you was on PCP, along with your cousin admitting that y'all was smoking PCP together. So, how is that not evidence to show that I was convicted on a false testimony? And all you've been saying is that, give me a chance for another hearing. You're not even saying that, hey, let me walk free immediately, which they should. Yeah, I'm asking them to let me show the evidence that I have that proves I'm innocent. You know, I'm not trying to go off of any case laws. I'm trying to go off of people who telling you that I did not kill this man. So uh, before I start to cry, man, I think I should just go and let you go. I appreciate the time, man. Sometimes I, I, I sound like I'm a tough guy, but from inside, man, I'm, I'm not so tough. I done had my days, no, believe me, I done cried in the shower many a times, man, you know, just hoping that, this, you know, it, this is all a dream. This is Fair Play on JusticeNews.net.